Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Luba Shudnovitz, co-founder and CEO at Cordless to the show. Luba, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. Let's dive into the first question. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, of course. So right now I'm CEO and uh, co-founder of Cordless. Before starting Cordless, I was, well, start early on, I was a management consultant at BCG for a while. After that, I was I joined Monza Bank as quite early employee. I was employee number 30 or something like that. Monza Bank is the challenger bank in the UK. It was a very fast growth startup. And I left them when I think the company was 1500. So just to give you a sense of scale. And when I joined them, I did a lot of different things. I was focusing on getting them a banking license at first. And then I moved into operations. So I was head of scaling operations for a while and then a product manager. And so while I was there, the whole world of customer support, I found it very exciting. It was especially exciting at Monza, which was growing so quickly. And there were so many problems with scaling and figuring out how we can support our customers. And so after that, I partnered up with Etsekli, who was also working on the internal tools at Monza, Irina Vidnova, who is now my co-founder. And we decided to do a startup within a customer support space, which is now cordless. Yeah, really interesting. And you said you joined this bank when you were employee 30 or so, mm-hmm. and then yeah. that scaled to when you were there to 1500 and I'm sure beyond yes. that now. So yeah, yeah, that's that's huge change. So I'm sure a lot of lessons learned there. So yeah, tell us, yeah, how did that transition then into cordless? Tell us a little bit about what cordless does. Yeah, of course. So. Cordless is a telephony platform with uh, AI-driven conversation intelligence for customer support teams. So I very much took a lot of the experience and knowledge I uh, gained at Monzo and applied it uh, to solving this problem. So what do we actually do? We help companies analyze 100% of their support conversations through giving sentiment analysis so they know how their customers are feeling when they talk to the support team. Things like automatic categorization of calls, so they know the new trends or new issues that are appearing, so they can react quickly and again fix any bugs or train up their team on specific things. We do things like call summaries, so again, the manager can really easily get a sense of what the calls are about. But we're also a telephony, so it's not just a data platform, we just not do just analysis, we also provide and enable teams to actually take those calls from customers and make outbound calls. And uh, it's, uh, we're very much focused on making it really user-friendly for the agents and also for the team, because this is where they would spend a lot of their day. And so essentially we are a telephony platform with on top of it, having really in-depth analysis of what we do, of uh, what's actually happening in support. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So telephony platform plus the AI and analytics on top of that. And are these any support centers? Is it tech support? Is it your reservation centers, any sort of call center, or do you have a specific niche there? Yeah, so we're industry agnostic, but we did find, I mean, partly through because of our network and our backgrounds, that it very much resonates with fintech companies and insurance businesses. I think these businesses are the ones that, because they are regulated, they have to be especially careful with how their customer support works, whether they're responding to their vulnerable customers correctly, and things like that, and also ensure that they can demonstrate compliance. But I think that's, I, I think right now this is the case, again, because they have additional requirements, but I strongly believe that in five years time, every company that does voice support will be analyzing their conversations automatically. And the way it works right now, the majority of uh, managers would listen to like five, six conversations per week for each agent. 
And this is a very, very small sample of everything that happens on their support and how many, like, relative to how many calls they get a week. And we essentially enable to them to see 100% of <laughs> everything that's going on and get the flags if something is going wrong and react quickly. And because of all this new technology, which is appearing like ChatGPT, and I think we're definitely riding this wave right now and actually shipping a lot of features which are based on ChatGPT. And I'm happy to talk about this more. We essentially enable teams to get 100% visibility into this. And I, again, strongly believe that everyone will do that. Um, yeah, and, and interesting, and, and I'm sure call center software has been around for a while. And of course, you do more than that. But when you go into a prospect, are you are you replacing existing call center software? Are you replacing anything, or is this? Tell us a little bit about that that sale. Yeah, of course. So yes, we are um, uh, targeting mid-sized companies uh, that normally would have a telephony at at this point in time. Uh, but the key difference is that we would give them a telephony, which at this point we're already very competitive in terms of the user experience. But on top of them, we will unlock all these set of feature, features that will make their job so much easier, right? Help them improve their quality of service and also pass on the feedback from those calls to the rest of the company to improve the product as well. Okay, yeah, really interesting because I find this really interesting because my first job was actually at a call center for a mutual fund company. So taking all those inbound calls and doing all the support and, and answering questions. So yeah, yeah, really interesting. And so what year did you found Cordless? Yeah, so we were founded in 2020. Yeah, it's just over, yeah, we've just been around over two years. So Yeah, a couple of years. And tell us, so you have your co-founder, and do you have one other co-founders, many co-founders? We're two. Two co-founders, so, okay. Yeah. And so did you me say- and my co-founder, Irina Bidnova, she's um, a technical co-founder in my CTO. Okay, great. All right, so you and Irina, the other co-founder, founded in 2020, and where are you guys located? Do you have a headquarters? Yeah, so we're located in uh, London, so we're a UK-based company. Uh, but early on, we made a choice to uh, build a fully remote company. So the majority of, so a lot of the people who work for us, they are based in the UK, but not necessarily in London. And a lot of uh, our employees are based elsewhere in the world. So it was a very, like we, we talked about this for a while, like should we do a fully remote company or not? And in the end decided that it would be the best for our business because there's so much amazing talent around the world. And if we want to be office-based, everyone has to live within 40 minutes from a London office, which is probably not the best um, for, for our company longer term. Right. Yeah. And that seems to be a common response you know, with the SaaS founders I interview is, is very you know, flexible and, and remote. And tell us about what's, what's your current team size right now? Yeah. So we're a team of 12 and we're about to add two more people. One of them okay. will be starting in May and the other okay. one we'll see. That's great. And of the 12, is it mostly on the engineering side and building out the product right now? So we have six engineers, one product manager, one designer, two founders, head of marketing, business operations manager, and we're about to add two business development managers. Oh, exciting. All right. Yeah. And then anything you want to share around the revenue or ARR size of your company right now? Mm -hmm. Sure, we're still early on, so I'm just going to say that we are uh, below like half a million IRR. Okay, okay, fair. And tell us the pricing for your product. Is this seat-based, or how do you price a product like this where you have the telephony platform plus all the analytics and AI? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so far we've decided to have just a flat price. 
I do think that later down the line, we'll probably have different tiers. But for now, we decided to, to be very, very simple. It's just one price per seat per month. And that's pretty much it. Okay. And how are you finding your customers? How are you finding your prospects? Is it you're, you're just, are you calling these, these mid-market companies or, or how's your sales motion work right now? Yeah, so it's, it's several different channels. So one is outbound for sure. Mm-hmm. So we reach people on LinkedIn, we reach people over email. We ask for introductions a lot. <laughs> so that's one. Number two, trade shows work quite well for us. So we definitely had a number of very promising leads from trade shows. The third one, we're investing a lot into integrating with marketplaces. So we're voice-only platform, but there are a lot of help desks. Just to give you one example, Intracom, which support chat and email, but they don't have their own voice solution, but their customers often do need one. And so integrating with solutions like that is, is obviously very good value for both of us. And that seems to bring us customers too. They would just find us on their marketplaces. And then the fourth one, we are investing a lot into content marketing. So essentially we are working on a SEO initiative and we already see some promising results where people tend to find us on Google and actually visit our website. It's yet to convert to proper conversation, but Mm -hmm. we already see an uptick there. That's great. All right. I love that. So four main channels, you knocked that out really quick. So yeah. And how much, so you recently raised a seed round of 2.3 million. Is that total capital raised to date or have you raised more than that right now? We also raised the pre-seed in 2021. Uh, so and we raised around 800,000 pounds back then as well. Okay. So the 800,000 plus the 2.3 million. And then with this seed round, what triggers or milestones did you see that said we're ready to raise more capital? Yeah. So to be completely honest, we were planning to raise later than we did. I think sometimes it's a combination of finding the right investors who are also really buying to your mission. And this is what happened to us. I think I'm sometimes of two minds, whether you should be talking to investors between the rounds, like before you're really raising, because of course it can take up a lot of the time and sort of, yeah, be less focused on customers and uh, business development. But in this case, it really paid off for us because we met investors that really believed in what we were doing. And at the time we launched our product properly in April last year and started seeing promising traction as well. I think in the first two months we onboarded something like seven or eight customers. And so essentially because it was such a good fit, we raised earlier than expected. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. So you were having conversations with investors, say between rounds, and you just found an investor where it was just a nice fit. They they believed in your vision and you believed in maybe what they were doing as, as an investor. So it, it came earlier than than planned, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 They yeah, I mean, they are our investors right now, and I think it was definitely the right choice. We really love working with them. So. Oh, that's great to hear. And any lessons that you'd like to share in that in that seed round that you learned that you'd like to share with other founders? Because maybe it sounds like maybe you had a product at that point that you're, I don't know if it was still pre-revenue or you had a product. So, you know, any any lessons there with, with that seed round? Yeah, I think a couple of things. So one is that because we raised quite unexpectedly, I thought that raising more when you have a lead investor would be really easy. It was not the case at all. So my advice, don't underestimate (laughs) 
that convincing other people is still definitely <laughs> takes hard work. So like do take a lot of time to craft your story and think about how like and what will resonate and take a lot of feedback because it's usually very hard to do in one go and you do actually need uh, feedback from other people and get other perceptions. And I think after this investment round, I learned a lot about the positioning and the messaging and we even like changed our messaging as a product slightly. So that was definitely useful. The other thing, pitching to investors and pitching to customers are two entirely different things. They're looking for very different things. And investors are looking whether your business will be at least 100 million valuation within the next several years, right? And, and customers are looking for you to solve their problem. And so you have to talk about your business in entirely different ways. And sometimes, yeah, so, and sometimes it can be a bit confusing, but, but it's definitely something to consider. And then the third one for me was not to raise over summer. <laughs> I will try to avoid it next time. And the reason for this is I think there's a lot of FOMO in the investor world. When you're raising, usually other VCs know that you're raising very, very quickly. And so if you have a lot of, if you have term sheets and if you have a lot of interest, you're likely to close quicker. And so if you see, if others see that the investor investment round is dragging out, it's kind of becomes a bad signal and they're like, people will become a bit more careful to invest. So I think there's a bit of this kind of psychology involved, which I definitely was not aware of. And so, because everyone's on holiday over summer, it naturally drags out. And I think it both hurts, like creates this bad signal, but also it obviously distracts you from running the business. So. I think I would try to like keep it very, very short and crisp next time and potentially raise the next very active month of the year. Let's put it this way. So. Yeah, that's great advice. And, and your investors, are they local to London, UK, Europe? Where, where are they mainly located? Yeah, so our, so the, our lead investor from the seed round is Fly Ventures. They are they're also remote and they're based all over the place. Uh, mm -hmm. So our partners that we primarily talk to based in Paris and New York. So. Okay. Okay. So you found just, yeah, just the summer, hard to get people, people on vacations, holiday, and, and maybe time that for maybe after holiday when the kids are back in school and everything's back to normal, sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. So as we wrap up, Luba, I have one question actually I, I want to ask. What do you have a favorite metric or number that you're currently using that you like to manage your business with? Any any numbers that pop out or metrics or KPIs that you really like currently to to drive your business forward? Yeah. So whenever I send my investor letter, they're always the same metrics I look at and communicate to investors. That's revenue, number of customers, burn rates, and money in the bank, and finally the number of months to go. So. These are five metrics I look at every month and consider to be key. Okay, that's great. I love that. I love that. Of course, as a SaaS CFO, I teach courses of metrics and, and love, yeah, love hearing that. So I really appreciate that insight. So what's coming up for Cordless? What's coming up that's exciting? A lot of things. So <laughs> I think the first of all, I'm, I'm genuinely feeling very, very positive about where we're going and about our mission. I think our product is already at the stage where we can very credibly compete with much, much larger competitors. And I can, I can see this coming across in customer conversations, which is really, really amazing. I think despite that, our sales function is definitely underdeveloped. 
So that's why we right now hire into business development managers. And essentially over the course of this year, I really hope to really figure out how we can make this process predictable and make sure that we can find and onboard customers at the rate that we want. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, I'm really excited about ChatGPT and this new technology. And for us, it's definitely incredibly relevant. So we are working on this in the space, and I do think it will unlock a lot of very interesting features for our customers. Uh, so we're definitely working on this now, and we plan to spend about 30% of our time working on ChatGPT-related features. I genuinely believe this will change how we interact with computers and yeah, I feel like we're in the right place at the right time to really take advantage of that and make this available to customers to solve real problems. Yeah, that's great. That's exciting, especially competing against the large guys. And then, yeah, of course, building out that repeatable sales process, always, always fun and a challenge. But really appreciate your time today, Lube, and sharing your story and experience. If listeners would like to learn more about Cordless, where should we send them online? Sure. So our website is Cordless and you can also reach out to me directly, Luba at Cordless.io. All right. Perfect. So check out Cordless.io or email Luba at Luba at Cordless.io. And again, Luba, really appreciate you sharing your insights and your experience and background today. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this.